Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. As you all know, this podcast is all about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. This episode is part of my special Path to the Draft series, where I'm having conversations with NFL draft prospects on their path to the draft. Now, if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure that you do so so that you never miss an episode as part of this series, as well as the regular show, as I've got some great guests coming up this season. All right, for today's episode, Inside the Huddle with us and ready to share his story and talk about his path to the draft is Dane Belton. Dane is a safety who played college football at the University of Iowa. Dane was a three-year starter at Iowa, and during this past season, he had a career year where he recorded a team-high five interceptions and seven pass breakups to go along with 46 total tackles, three of which were tackles for lost TFLs. We'll talk about that and more on the show. Dane, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited to chat with you. I know we've talked about this for quite some time. And I know you've been training hard down in Tampa with Yo Murphy and the team at House of Athlete Tampa. Quick shout out to Yo and the team down there. They're always doing great things. Let's start our conversation there. What are some of the things, I mean, you're a multifaceted athlete. What are some of the things that you've been focused on getting ready for the combine and in your pre-draft training? I would say the things we're focused on is all the little techniques and little intricacies of the uh, drills and things like that. The biggest thing is the 40, obviously. The teams want to see how fast you are. And so it's all about technique, the start, keeping your heel low and things like that. So over these past eight weeks, that's really what we've been focusing on. And where do you feel like when you look at your entire career from starting college football at Iowa and then just to where you're at today, where do you feel like you have really excelled and grown the most as an athlete and a player? I feel like I've grown the most in the mental aspect. I feel like a lot of people don't really understand how much that plays a factor and plays a role in football at this level, especially, and especially coming in from high school, transitioning to college and obviously to this next level. I feel like I've grown a lot in that space and it's translated onto the field and it's helped me play my best football as of yet. So I feel like in that aspect has made me the player I am right now. And you're absolutely right. I mean, the mental piece of it is so, so critical, especially as you continue to go into this next level. Definitely. So let's run it back a bit and just share with us, how did you get into football to begin with? When was the first time you picked up a ball? And then what about it made you fall in love with the game? So it was actually kind of crazy. I actually grew up doing karate and I did that at a very young age and I ended up earning my black belt. If you know karate, it's like a year round thing. You know, you can't really do other sports with it. It's a year-round commitment. So, you know, after both of my brother and I earned our black belt, we went to our parents and were like, we want to play football. And, you know, to do that, we had to quit karate. But my parents were all for it. And once I started playing football around 9 or 10, and just ever since then, you know, playing that sport, just loved it, never looked back. Was there something about football that made you want to get into it and have that conversation with your parents about leaving martial arts behind and going to play something else? 
watching the games, you know, on Sundays and Saturdays and seeing those high-level athletes compete and me always wanting to be at that level. And, you know, just watching that over and over, it's like, I want to do what they're doing. So it was just that, you know, asking them, like, oh, can we play football? And they were, you know, like, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. They just wanted us to be active. We ended up playing a lot of sports, but football, you know, is just stuck with us. And ever since then, it's the sport I love. And something that you didn't know about me when some of my listeners know is I'm actually a third degree black belt oh, myself nice. in Taekwondo. So fellow martial artist, but I've also been a student of the game of football since I was four years old. So I can appreciate your interest in it as a kid and wanting to get out there and play. And in my book, Move the Ball, which is really what sparked this whole Move the Ball movement. I wrote about a lot of lessons and strategies that I learned from watching the game way back even as a kid that I learned would be helpful for me as I continued on in life. So I want to get your take on what has football taught you? What lessons have you taken away from the game that you feel will help you to be successful at the next level playing professional ball, but also just to be successful in life in general? You know, the game of football has taught me so many things that just translate in different facets of life. And, you know, when you look at it, being a huge team sport, it teaches you a lot of being able to communicate, especially and being able to achieve a goal together. And everyone has a specific task. It's not everyone's doing the same thing. If you look at basketball, you know, generally everyone's doing about the same thing. But in football, everyone has a specific goal that contributes to the team. And just being able to have that teamwork and also accountability. You have at least 10 other people on the field and then 30, 40, 50 people on the sideline and coaches as well that you are accountable for and accountable to and that they're banking on you doing your job and vice versa. So it's all about that and just going out there and giving your all too. playing football at this high level. You can't go out there and have step and expect to be successful. You know, and that definitely translates in life. You got to give your all into anything you're doing. You know, that's a big mindset I have. And basically anything you're doing, do it your best ability. So, you know, carrying that over football is definitely something that translates. Absolutely. And you played DB, as I mentioned, when I read your bio, which some say is the hardest position to play in football. And you were a leader at Iowa on the secondary. And what do you feel makes you a good leader? And what also makes you elite at this position? I feel like what makes me a good leader is that I aim to do everything, at, like I said, at the best of my ability and try to be perfect. You know, you can never be perfect, but when you aim for that, it just, you know, raises the level and raises your ceiling of how you can perform. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people gravitate towards people like that. They want to be around people that are like them. For my teammates, I feel like they gravitated towards me because I was trying to be perfect and it, it pushed them. And it was like that competitive nature that it made them want to be perfect. And I felt like carrying that over, you know, we had a few guys like that. It just raised the level of competition in our room and on our team. And it just helped our team out. And I feel like, you know, that's what makes me a great leader. And I mentioned that you had a career year this past year. And I mean, when you look at the Hawkeye defense, just in general, this year in all of college football, I mean, one of the stingiest defensive units allowing opponents to score an average of 19.2 points per game. What in your mind made this defense a strong unit? Man, it was so many things going all into it. But I feel like the biggest thing that made us where we are is the camaraderie we had. And I know it's kind of cliche when people say it's a brotherhood in college and no matter what team you're on, it's a brotherhood. It's a brotherhood. You know, people say that a lot. But I feel like the bond we had throughout the team, you know, whether that just be defensive backs or even with the linebackers together, the D-line, the defense as a whole, together with the offense, you know, special teams, it was all that. It wasn't just football with us. We could go outside of football and hang out and have a great time and not even talk once about football. And I felt like that carried over onto the field. It built that relationship with each other. And it just allowed us to go out there and play free and play fast and knowing that you're playing with people you enjoy being around. 
it just led us to, you know, working hard on the field and, and translating into, you know, stats and, and wins and things like that. Yeah. And I think those relationships are important. It's not just about handling your business in the business context, meaning in football, on the football field, but it's that camaraderie and those bonds beyond the game as well. And that translates in life too. I mean, the people that you build solid, strong relationships with are the ones that you're going to perform well with. And so this past year, I mentioned again, you had a breakout year, had five picks the prior two seasons you didn't have any interceptions tell us what did you do differently or what made this year special that you had such a great performance I kind of hinted at it earlier and I felt like the transition I made from each year was the mental aspect in the mental game I felt like I was getting stronger each and every year and being able to have those reps before to be able to play freshman year and then as a sophomore it just carried over and I feel like once you know the defense is more about studying the opponents and, and tendencies and like that my freshman year, I only had like tackles. And then my sophomore year, I had tackles and pass breakups. And my junior year, like you said, I had interceptions and pass breakups and things like that. I feel like that just showed my dedication and it gets to where I was. I never settled. I knew it was always a step above where I'm at. And it still is. So just being able to keep working, staying in the film room and studying things like that, it just came to fruition my, this past year. The more that you put into something, the more time, the more experience that you have, you should be improving. And so we'd expect that this past season would be better than the prior ones as well. Tell us, what was the most memorable game for you at Iowa? Man, the most memorable game. There's so many, you know, great games that we had in memory as well, but I got to recall two. And the first one is our last game of the season, my sophomore year, when we beat Wisconsin at home. And it was a COVID year, so there was no fans, but it just made it memorable because nobody on that team that was playing had ever beat Wisconsin. You know, they had beat us five years in a row. And it's a trophy game, you know, rivalry, and we just were on the back end of that. And just being able to start that season off 0-2, everyone thought we were going to have a bad year. And just finishing off, you know, six straight wins and finishing that off with a win against Wisconsin, it was just the pinnacle or just... What you think about Iowa football, you know, being resilient and for us to it was probably the most fun I've had. Some of the most fun memories I've had playing football. Our defense was dominating them the whole game. It was just fun football. And I would say the second one is when we played Penn State at home this past year. And they were ranked number four and we were ranked number three in the nation. And it was just crazy, man. The environment was so wild. They had like three false start penalties in a row. Like they couldn't hear anything. The crowd was into it. And that was just a crazy game. That's what you think of when you think about playing college football. Those are the type of things you think of. Fans are into it. It's a top four matchup and, and you win those games. And it was just an all around great game. Yeah, absolutely. I remember watching that game too. So you mentioned the COVID year and part of being successful in life as well as in football is about being able to adapt and make adjustments as needed. And that year, People had to make a lot of adjustments. Can you tell us about what that was like for you? Oh, yeah. That year was crazy. You know, like you said, it's all about adjustments. And going in, we were literally right about to start spring ball. And, you know, it got canceled and we were sent home for the rest of the semester. And that was like a change because obviously that's never happened. And then even coming back, you know, coming back in the summer, finally back on campus. But workouts were weird. You know, the fact that people could be pulled out left and right getting COVID and, and being quarantined. So we never really worked out as like a full team. And even when we started to get closer to the season, you know, we started fall camp and I think we got like two or three practices in. They shut everything down and we didn't think we we're going to have a season. So, you know, all those things, you know, it's just weird. Like in your mind, you're ready. You know, like around August, when fall camp starts, just like I'm about to play a season, like I'm getting ready. And for it to be shut down, and we had no idea what was going to happen. It just took a big adjustment on our parts, you know, players and coaches and staff as well, just to be ready when it's our time was called. 
And then they ended up starting our season in October and get to play eight games. And, you know, I feel like we started a little sluggish, a little slow, but we finished on the right hand. And that was just a tribute to our coaches and our strength staff to keep us ready. And it, like you said, it was a big adjustment, but something that I feel like made us better. And the mental piece of that is important, too, when you're having to go through such a transition and just a lot of uncertainty as to what's going to happen. For sure. So you still have college eligibility left and you decided to come out early. Share with us why now. Tell us about your decision making process. You know, after the season, you know, I spent a, a good like week, week and a half just hashing things out, you know, with my parents and people close to me and just weighing the pros and cons of both decisions. You know, I feel like, you know, whatever decision I made, whether that to be to come out early or stay another year, I feel like it's not a wrong decision. You know, it's just my preference, you know, what I feel like I want to do in my career. But it was never a wrong decision. They're both good decisions. You know, just weighing it, you know, I feel like after this past season, I put myself in a good position to jumpstart my NFL career. You know, I had a lot of good stats, you know, first team, all Big Ten, things like that. And, you know, I feel like I was ready mentally. You know, we talked about that mental aspect. And I feel like just my growth, you know, I felt like I was ready in that sense. And I was just ready to, you know, play at the next level. You know, I had done a lot of things at the college level and I felt like I was ready. And, you know, I already promised my parents I would go back and get my degree. You know, that wasn't a question. You know, that's already going to happen. So, you know, all those things added up. You know, I felt like, you know, why not now? Any decision I make, any year I, I come out, it's always betting on yourself. And why not bet on myself now, especially after the year I had in the place I am mentally and physically as well, you know, coming out pretty healthy. So all those considered, you know, I feel like it was the best decision for me. Absolutely. Seems like it was the right time for you. So I want to talk about a couple other things. But before we go there, I did want to talk about the Citrus Bowl because that game was back in Florida. You're from Tampa. And so returning home to play in the Citrus Bowl, you guys played against Kentucky. Tell us about what that was like for you as your last time playing college football. It was a great memory. The biggest thing you think about, obviously, you know, we lost the game. But like you said, it was a back and forth game. It was a good game. And just the week in general, you know, having family there, getting to see my parents and, and my brother throughout the week here and there. And, and just being back in back home. You know, I love this weather. I don't like snow. I don't like the cold. But, you know, obviously I got through it in college. But just being back here and being in this environment, it was refreshing, rejuvenating a little bit. And just it was just fun, you know, to have that experience. And obviously the game didn't go the way we we would have expected it to, but, you know, just those memories that it just reminds you of the memories I built with my teammates as well. You know, even in practice throughout the week at the hotel, things like that. It was just, it was a good experience and things I'll take on for the rest of my life. Great way to end the college career for sure. So one of the things that I want to talk about on this podcast, we talk about business. We talk about managing your brand as well. You have a merchandise line and you've also used the phrase Great Dane. So tell us about how did that come to be? So like when NIL started talking about the merchandise side, I was just thinking of ways to really connect with the fan base, especially in Iowa. You know, we have a, a really strong fan base up in just finding ways to connect. And, you know, I did some NIL deals with companies around the area and things like that. But, you know, I felt like I wanted to do something with my own brand. Coming to that, you know, coming to the conclusion, I feel like I could do a clothing brand. And, you know, it's not something that's going to make you a lot of money. It's more, like I said, to connect with your fans and for them to like feel close to you and feel a part of, you know, your journey. And that was just, you know, a big thing I wanted to do, especially, like I said, with that fan base, just be closer to them. So going and making that my clothing brand, you know, I felt like that was the best option. And Great Dane really came up. I used it in high school just a little bit. You know, people would call me Great Dane here and there, you know, as a joke. And it was kind of a nickname. It wasn't anything serious. And when the NIL came around, you know, just thinking about things that, you know, I could use or, or slogan. And, you know, obviously that was a big one. My name being Dane, 
and just, you know, a big dog, you know, that a great Dane is and a ferocious looking dog, you know, you know, why not use it? And I felt like it, it fits me. And so just using that and continue to use it, you know, I feel like that's something that, you know, represents me. I think it's a great choice. It makes sense. And when you have a brand, you want to have those phrases or those terms that people can associate with you, that can resonate with who you are and kind of what you stand for. So I think it's a great choice. So something else that I know is important to you is making an impact in the community. Can you share with us some of the things that you've done to be a community figure and just really be a positive influence? Oh, definitely. You know, I feel like the biggest thing that I did up in Iowa, like I said, connected to those fans, we have a big children's hospital right next to the stadium. You know, people see the tradition of the wave after the first quarter. And, you know, just being able to connect with the kids in there that are going through tough times, unimaginable times for us, for little kids that have to go through cancer and chemo, things like that. They need, you know, some inspiration and, and things like that, some encouragement. And so being able to connect with them and, and being able to, you know, raise money to donate to the hospital. You know, I've done that with specifically myself, but also with food company Estella's in the Iowa City area, partnering with them as well. So two facets where I could donate to the Children's Hospital and also go in there and meet some kids and, and just spend my time with them. They're going through hard times and they want to be around, you know, they look up to us. So just being around those kids is just something that, you know, I cherish a lot. And no matter what city I'm in, I want to do that in that city, but also come back to Iowa City because that held a special place in my heart. Being a Florida boy and going up to Iowa City, you know, being far from home, just finding comfort in that and, and talking to those kids is something that, you know, I want to continue doing. I can tell that it's something that you're very passionate about and you definitely are making a positive influence in those type of things. So what I want to do now is take you through my two-minute drill to close the show and ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? Yes, ma'am. Let's get it. All right. First question is outside of football, what do you like to do? I'm really a homebody, so I really don't do a lot of things. You know, I play video games, I watch TV shows, but I like to, you know, spend time on myself a little bit. I'll read books and things like that. So really just stay in and enjoy my free time. Next question is, what is one thing most people don't know about you? Well, I guess we kind of touched on it that I'm a black belt. You know, a lot of people don't really think about that for football athletes. So I'll say I'm a black belt. What three words would you use to describe yourself? I would say driven, dedicated, and competitor. Good words. If you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would that song be? Definitely The Greatest by Rod Wave. What is the best piece of advice that you've been given by a coach? Just be the hardest worker, you know, on and off the field. And I'm going to flip it now and ask you, what's the best piece of advice that you would give someone? I would say the same. You know, that's like we said earlier, that translates to, to football and life. So just be the hardest worker. Okay. Next question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Number one, for sure, Michael Jordan. You know, the one of the greatest competitors in all sports. Number two, I would say Cat Williams, because you got to have a comedian. You got to have someone funny there. And Cat Williams is, is super funny to me. And number three, Rod Wave, just because he's my favorite artist. Great choices. Lastly, do you sing in the shower? Yes, for sure. I sing all the time. You know, I'm not a great singer, but I love to sing R&B, especially and like 90s throwbacks, things like that, for sure. Cool. And so as we look to end the show, let people know, where can they follow you? You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Both are dbelton underscore. Perfect. And we will have those in the show notes so people can follow you on your journey. Dane, thank you so much for being on the show today. Of course. I enjoyed my time. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure having you. I wish you the best in this next chapter. And thanks to everyone for listening to today's episode. If you liked our show, please share it with someone else who you think would find the show to be of value. And lastly, I talk about this all the time because I think it's super important. 
If you are thinking about how you can be a better networker, because that is an important thing to be able to move the ball in business and in your career, sign up for my five-day virtual networking training camp. There's a link in the show notes. It is free. And I'm going to give you tips and tricks on how you can be a better networker virtually and in person. So again, thank you all for listening to today. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand, or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.